Welcome to Points of Departure, a podcast from the Arkansas Global Changemakers in coordination with KUAF Public Radio, where we aim to place pressing social issues into global context and bring communities together to find local solutions to global challenges. My name is Lawrence Hare. I'm Associate Professor of History in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And my name is Rogelio Garcia Contreras. I am a teaching assistant faculty at the Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation Department of the Walton College of Business. And I'm Lee Wood, General Manager of KUAF Public Radio. And we're your hosts for Points of Departure. Well, as we were coming into the studio today to record, I happened to see an article in one of our trade journals online, insidehighered.com, from a historian named Bonnie Keeler. The article is called Preparing Grad Students to Change the World. And her argument is essentially that universities aren't doing enough to prepare grad students to change the world. She says that we're, we're having a hard time helping students navigate the, the gap between academics and activism at a time when our knowledge and expertise are are needed more than ever to solve global challenges. But it so happens that we have a program at the University of Arkansas that may be doing just that. So this initiative is the P4 People, Planet, Profit Project run through the Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. So Rogelio, who do you have with us today? Lawrence, we are very fortunate to have uh, today with us Meredith Atkins, who is the director for Northwest Arkansas Industry and Community Engagement at the Division of Economic Development. And she is also an advisor for P4. And uh, Mark Howard, who is a P4 advisor and former P4 uh, lead consultant. So Meredith, Mark, welcome to this episode of Points of Departure. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Glad to be here. So why don't you give us just a little taste of what P4 is all about. Yeah, so really for me, you know, it started as an opportunity to to scratch that itch, you know, I use that that idiom all the time, scratch that itch of wanting to kind of to your point Lawrence, um, flex those muscles in activism um, that I'm not typically able to do in my current, you know, graduate um, coursework or or in my research, you know, some other graduate students may have um, the 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 luck to be able to to do that and have them be one and the same. Um, for me, that was not the case, and and I think I could be wrong, but you would find that outside of say you know some of the hard sciences, chemical engineering or, or even biological engineering, it's difficult to kind of have that interdisciplinary approach um, where your coursework and research you know aligns with things that you may be passionate about. In my case sustainability, especially with the environment, but as I've come to learn also as it relates to society as a whole and people. So this isn't a class. This is a hands-on project that students do on on the side. So these are for, so who participates? Uh, Well, you know, currently we started out with um, just a few select graduate students. We had, um, let's see, a a PhD candidate in, or soon-to-be candidate, I should say, um, in biological engineering, uh, another biological engineering uh, postdoc. And then we were blessed with two um, master's students in the business college that were introduced to us through Rogelio and Meredith as well. And we, we had a couple come and go um, throughout our time with our initial client. Um, 
but uh, you know it, it's a volunteerism thing. So you know they you know once they couldn't commun- uh, commit to that amount of work, you know it's it's understandable. You know they're not signing any contract. We were happy for the help they gave, and um, eventually they had to go you know take care of their own personal matters. Okay, who are the clients that we're talking about? Uh, yeah, so our, our first client was Markham and Fitz, a chocolate maker up in Bentonville, Arkansas. So small business, um, local to the Northwest Arkansas community. Um, really just kind of, as she worded it, she wanted to put her money where her mouth is. You know, she always really wanted to take a step in the direction of societal and, and environmental sustainability, even though, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think of a chocolate maker as like, oh, these are the kinds of businesses that are really um, – you know, driven to make that sort of impact. Um, but in reality, it needs to be all of us. And, and she kind of embodies that, I think. So small businesses, nonprofits, that sort of thing, come and say, we need help developing sustainable business models. Yeah, that, that's correct. That's correct. But specifically with the B impact assessment. Yes, it's open to uh, for-profit businesses, small businesses. The B certification process is actually focusing only on the for-profit uh, branch, although we are exploring the possibility of expanding at some point in the future uh, sustainability uh, assessments and elements perhaps to the for, uh, non-for-profit world. But it's a for-profit. I think when we looked at the landscape, um, you know, there uh, Nonprofits inherently want to make a positive difference on society. Um, so where we saw a, a real gap and opportunity is in the social business movement. And of course, Rogelio's um, role as director of social innovation at the Business College was was obviously a big um, inspiration for that focus. Um, we also, through our uh, Net Impact chapter, so we Net Impact here is an, aff- an affiliate of um, the Global Net Impact Student Organization. And so this is kind of housed through Net Impact. Um, but through Net Impact conferences, we had learned about other schools that were uh, basically running similar clinics. Um, they're often called B Impact clinics. Um, and uh, North Carolina State University is actually one of the universities that's been really active in helping to train other institutions to do this. So we sort of had a model that inspired us. Um, to do it this way. They're not all focused on graduate students. Um, Part of the reason that we wanted to focus on um, graduate students was just because of that skill set that they bring. Um, I mean, you know, Mark mentioned we've got biological engineers and, um, you know, he's computer engineering. um, The MBAs, you know, bring amazing skill sets as well. And so it was sort of that ability to bring their um, really strong skill sets to the table combined with um, that article that you mentioned, uh, Lawrence, about and I think Mark alluded to this as well, graduate students don't really have a lot of opportunities like this to participate in interdisciplinary teams um, and to get, you know, hands-on, you know, skills working with businesses. And I think every single graduate student that volunteered with us said that that was exactly what they were trying to do. It was, one, they were using their passion and sustainability, and, two, they were able to develop skill sets in working with uh, businesses that they really weren't, you know, able to get through their research. Well, this sounds like a terrific way to gain experience for graduate students. So I have to ask a fundamental question here. So what is a social business exactly? A social business is essentially uh, a business that uh, the return, where the return on investment is not purely financial, where there is a double or triple bottom line uh, in in the mix, uh, whether it's the impact on the environment or the impact on the community. So the return on investment is not defined only in financial terms. And I'm I'm really glad you brought up the triple bottom line there because that's actually what inspired the P4 name, right? So the 
the triple bottom line is caring for people, planet, and profits, not just our current, you know, or most current, you know, business models, which are centered around the bottom line, profit. So the, the triple bottom line is baked into the name of, of the initiative. That's correct. So why does a business want to become a social business? Or why does a business want to become more sustainable? What, what motivates them to come to you and say, We're, we, want to, we want to do these things? I, I think, honestly, it, it varies um, from business to business, right? And, you know, I mentioned um, Mark and Fitz, our, our former client, you know, and like I said, she wanted to put her money where her mouth was. Um, others see the opportunity to um, make long-term growth a reality because, you know, uh, commonly, you know, companies, larger companies or even smaller ones may view profits, you know, on a quarterly basis, you know, first quarter, second quarter, and so on. And really, those take only immediate considerations, um, whereas, you know, when you take trip and bottom line approaches, you, you consider the long term. How is our business going to be sustainable in the future and sustainable within the business model itself, not necessarily with respect to these other aspects, but in being sustainable with the environment and with your community, you give the business itself long-term um, viability, longevity. And if I could just add to that, I think part of it, and it's funny because I used to be, you know, sort of very much a non-business person um, and, you know, kind of only felt like perhaps nonprofits cared. But actually, um, many of us care, including many, many business leaders. And I think one of the um, really Im- important um, realizations for me was just about the power of business to change the world and the scalability and the the resources that, that businesses have access to. And so um, especially with a lot of, um, you know, this generations of, of, of founders, you're just seeing so many who care about using their business model to make a positive impact. And whether it's, you know, positive impact through uh, their supply chain, which is Markham and Fitz, you know, if you think about what their social business model is, it's really um, largely based on having a really transparent uh, supply chain because um, there are a lot of uh, issues with the cacao supply chain. And so, you know, she's using um, a actually a, a, you know, a broker for her cacao that specializes in transparency and making sure that there's not, um, you know, uh, child labor, et cetera, at the end of her supply chain. Um, and so just that... Um, that ability of, of business to uh, make a large impact, I think, is is really important. And one more thing, too, uh, you know, one of the most well-known B Corps um, would be Patagonia, right? So they're already in that kind of outdoor recreation space. So, like, they are, you know, uh, as Lauren Blanco put it for, um, for Mark and Mephits, they are putting their money where their mouth is. They emphasize getting outside, rock climbing, hiking, um, water sports, you know. And so not only do they get to do that, but they also get to say to their customers, the people who would, you know, uh, have passion in these areas and the outdoors, for example, the outdoors, um, they, you know, that expands their potential, you know, customer base to say, hey, look, we're actually, you know, practicing what we preach and being stewards for the, um, the activities that you guys love. So sustainability is also good business, right? Sustainability is responsible business, but sustainability is also permeating what business can be, right? The reach of business. What is that we can do? You know, if we understand sustainability as the ability to meet our needs with the existing resources without compromising the ability of future generations to do the same, then, as Mark was referring to, being a sustainable business 
and adopting sustainability practice practices is, is not only good for the world, it's good for the business, but it's good for our permanence in this planet, right? And the way in, in which we know it. So uh, it, it, m many different aspects, you know, so, so we can continue to do business, right? So our, uh, sustainability is the future. And for us, that, that's why this is so relevant. And, and uh, it's not only about the power of business to, to solve problems, it's about the realization of business that they are part of a greater delicate ecosystem. I see. I, I just wanted to ask about this B Corp status. You, you mentioned this. Is this is the a, this is a, a, a signifier that a business has reached that level of sustainability or made that commitment, right? It's a certification. Yes, granted by uh, a, a nonprofit entity, uh, the B Lab, which uh, essentially offers this certification to uh, businesses through a through a process uh, based on points on different categories. But yeah, one way to compare it is a lot of people are familiar with the fair trade label in coffee. So uh, the certified B Corporation label is sort of akin to that, but for the entire business model. Um, and it's funny because it's actually not that well known in our area. Um, but if you start looking on your products, you'll actually start to notice this label. It's, um, you know, if you Google it, you'll you'll see what it looks like. But you'll see it on, you know, your Happy Family Organics um, juice pouches from Walmart. I mean, actually, there's a lot of certified B Corporation um, products on Walmart shelves. Uh, Unilever owns, owns uh, B Corps. Uh, Danone is a B Corps. Ben and uh, Jerry's. Athleta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could name yeah. a lot. Seven um, generation. Yeah, you'll yeah. know the brands. You just may not know much about the label yet, um, but we're hoping to, to change that. And another thing that we really are uh, aiming to change is the fact that there is only one B certified entity in the state of Arkansas, that being Southern Bancorp. And we would love to change that, right? We would love for all these businesses that are interested in sustainability and in walking the talk to really uh, uh, see in the certification process a mechanism through which they can actually improve their sustainability practices and um, build their brand and marketing through these efforts, you know, so, to somehow be recognized and expand the number of B certified organizations and, and businesses here in our state. And to Rogelio's point, there, there's an established and growing B Corp community, mostly on, you know, the coasts, um, Denver as well, Chicago, but lots of middle America, as Rogelio mentioned, is kind of left out of this. Um, we're trying to address that. That's what you do. You help some of these smaller business businesses do the things they need to do to achieve that status. Well, it's probably important to make a distinction between a B Corp, a B Corporation, you know, which is... Um, uh, legal entity that uh, has uh, a fiduciary financial responsibility to shareholders, but also to employees and also to to the community and customers and other stakeholders from the B Corp certification, which is just the certification process granted by the B Lab, uh, which could be granted to any for-profit, whether an LLC or a C Corp or a sole proprietorship or, you know, you name it, but, but uh, don't, you don't have to be a B Corp in order to be uh, B Corp certified. Right. I've heard this described as a social business movement. Is that is that right? How, how big is this movement? There are over 4,000 certified B Corporations globally. So it is a global movement. 
Um, the social movement, move, sorry, social business movement is not, you know, simply B Corps, but it is becoming one of the uh, most recognized, um, you know, symbols of social business. And one of the reasons that that we believe in its power specifically is because of how rigorous and how strong the impact assessment is that leads to this label. And so, you know, there's quite a few labels that signify sustainability in business, many of them are, you know, within certain uh, industries or within certain uh, commodities, products. Um, but the B impact assessment is for the entire business model, and it's incredibly rigorous, really. I mean, it, it analyzes the business in so many areas, and so it just it, it means a lot to be a B Corps. And it also, one of the most important things, and we always tell our students this, and, and this is even, even the narrative we create for our clients, um, it's really important to not just be thinking about the label. We actually use the impact assessment as a teaching tool. And so it's actually, it fits perfectly within a university environment because it gives students uh, the, the metrics and the guardrails to understand what does being a social business mean. And so, um, it, you know, there's over 200 kind of uh, metrics on the assessment that are benchmarked against the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals developed by a community of leaders in the social business space that have come together and through a really rigorous process said, these are the markers of a social business. And so um, while a business could be really strong in one area, it's always going to give them areas to improve. And so um, it's always giving the students an opportunity to say to the business, Yes, you're a social business. You believe in it. That's what's most important. Um, and here are the areas where you could be an even stronger social business. And just to speak to how rigorous the, the assessment is, I mean, first of all, they require uh, recertification every three years. Wow. So it's not set it and forget it. You do it once and you're good and you mm -hmm. can go back you know, to the same old, same old. You know, they keep revisiting. And on top of that, B-Labs continues to refine the assessment. So the assessment also changes uh, over time. And it covers the, to speak more to what Meredith was, was saying, the specific sections that are covered by the assessment are governance, uh, the environment as well, uh, workers, uh, customers, and community, which could cover suppliers. Uh, really, the community and environmental sections are vast. And the beautiful thing about the assessment is uh, going through the process of impact assessment is probably one of the most difficult processes that there is when it comes down to uh, proving that, in fact, you are fulfilling the mission the way you are saying you're fulfilling it and, you know, doing the work that you claim to be doing. Uh, so when it comes to, for instance, environmental aspects, some of the metrics that exist out there and some of the benchmarks that exist out there, plenty of them, many of them uh, structure around the sustainable development goals or other benchmarks created by impact investment funds or things like these are science-based, right? Like they are, you know, you can, you can actually track your footprint through purely scientific um, um, assessments. And that, although complicated, could be relatively easy, right, um, to do. You need resource, you need time, you need the will to do it, but can be done in a very concrete, quantifiable way. But if you want to account for the social impact, especially that kind of impact that takes time, uh, you know, coming up with a 
with a uh, system like the, the B Corp uh, certification for businesses is really important because it's such a comprehensive guideline that it touches on so many different aspects, as Mark was explaining, that you know, once you dig into it, you know, more than 200 points of reference, and you really get into where is that you can make the impact. And, and you know, businesses can make up to 200 points for this, but, but really with 80, you get certified, right? And 80 points. Of 80 points. 80 points. Um, yeah, oh. we'll, we'll give you. We'll give you the 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 the, the, the status. But but um, you know, getting to those 80 points is really an art of balancing. And uh, this is another aspect important around sustainability: the the balancing, right? Because when you take a look at the sustainable development goals, and you really dig deep into what it means and what it takes to accomplish these goals, you realize very soon that you cannot fulfill 16 without the 17. <laughs> you know, if you miss one goal out, if you're not fulfilling one goal, that means that all the other 16 goals have not been accomplished properly, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they're all connected. Yeah, they are all connected. Yep. And kind of the same is, is behind the spirit of the, of the B Corp certification because it's like all these aspects are connected, no? community, customers, environment, workers, all these aspects are connected. And, you can excel in some aspects and maybe not that good in others, but at the end of the day, you need to find some sort of a balance that allows you to get to those 80 points, right? And not only get there, but as uh, it, was, uh, it has been said, you know, maintain uh, the business there and perhaps even improve because that's the other thing. Many businesses that go through the initial assessment process, you know, just to understand where they are before they even start uh, the application, um, many of them discover that, yeah, there's a lot of work to do and all that, but it's very encouraging to realize that, oh, I'm doing something of relevance, and if I tweak this and if I improve this aspect, I can make a substantial difference, right, and I can get to my goal. Uh, so this has inspired also many other initiatives that we are working on uh, as a result of realizing how many businesses in our community are conscious about the relevance of becoming sustainable businesses and are really willing to work towards that goal. So with the assessments, they can actually see the impact that they're making. Definitely, I would say so. Yes. I'm just astounded. This is the first time I've ever heard someone call an assessment beautiful. I had never (laughs) thought of them in that way, but... uh, but it it sounds like it it has real real meaning and impact. So the P4 project, that's a fifth P, (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> is, is all about helping them design these assessments or ma- measure these assessments? Navigate so, through the assessment navigate through. is what okay. I would say. Um, like I said, the assessment, you know, is revised um, by B-Lab, uh, you know, every few years. And so it's really, it, it's a lot of data processing and data collection as well. And, uh, you know, not always the case, it's not always the case that businesses have um, the worker power on hand to, you know, assign these tasks or to delegate these cat tasks. Uh, Lauren Blanco, again, uh, with Markham & Fitz, you know, it's a small business. So she was working directly with us. Yeah, let's talk about Markham & Fitz. So they, so t- tell me this story. So they came to y- you and asked for a consult- consulting help. 
Uh, well, yeah, initially, uh, it, they did not come to me. They, they were, they, at the time, I, I was helping them get it started, you know. Uh, they came uh, to Rahilo, someone. Did, yes, yes, they did. Um, uh, Rahelia, did they contact you or so I knew Lauren through, uh, through the business college, and uh, I don't know. I think I just knew that she was interested in social business, and I told her we were starting up this, this uh, P4 project, and would she like to be a client? And so, you know, uh, we have not actually started marketing uh, broadly to clients yet. Uh, Markham and Fitz was actually our pilot, and so... Um, you know, we just needed one one uh, business. Well, to how get did it started. go? That's the if it was the pilot, <laughs> how did it work out? It was a huge learning experience <laughs> for everyone involved. Um, I think we got a lot out of it. Um, you know what what we did right, what we did wrong. Um, you know, setting expectations uh, for the client, um, but also for ourselves. Um, you know, and I think that was one of our faults initially is that you know we were a little loose with the timeline, and so. Um, you know, her being a small business, it ended up being difficult to attain uh, certification and reach that 80-point threshold. I know, you know, out of 200 points, like Rogelio was saying, it sounds like, oh, it's less than half. That should be easy. Wrong. Um, it can be quite difficult. Um, and, you know, we got her pretty close, um, and we gave her some advice on, you know, what to do going forward, um, you know, how she can make changes in her business model to revisit us in the future, or to accomplish certification on her own. Um, although we're, of course, welcome to uh, 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 open to welcoming her back as well, you know, to kind of finish that out. But um, it's not always as straightforward as it may seem. And I'll just speak to that question as well, just in terms of um, how this is enabling the businesses. Um, and I think Southern Bancorp would be the first to tell you how much they wish they had P4 when they started their B Corp certification journey. But it, it really is flying blind because there's so much data and it's a really rigorous assessment and you don't always even know what the question means or um, if you want, you know, if you'd want to implement that practice, how should you implement it? And so, um, you know, just being really honest, we were also flying blind at the beginning. And so I think Lauren's experience with us was probably a little bit different than every future client because she was actually basically learning with us. And so our, our work with Lauren was a lot longer than it will be with future clients. And so what we ended up doing was we were humble enough to say we need to understand this better. And so we actually worked with a, a certified B Corporation consultant who is an expert in this space, has worked with um, you know, some of my favorite B Corps like Grove Collaborative, um, and that just really could help us to understand how to, um, how to coach businesses on this. And so she worked with our students every week behind the scenes to understand each section of the assessment and to uh, really understand what that could mean for our client. And so moving forward, we're kind of using a train-the-trainer approach of our, the consultant trained our initial students. Our initial students are now playing an advisory role. Um, you know, Mark has come on and is an advisor. Mm -hmm. And then all of, um, most of our other uh, doctoral students are all going to be trainers this semester. So they're using the knowledge that they gain to train future consultants. So we probably don't have to hire a consultant again, but that knowledge is going to be kind of passed on moving Which forward. sounds like a sustainable model. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So you're, you're taking it internally, too. I mean, I would imagine the things that you're learning will help you in your journey to, to refine the process. Absolutely. We're iterating every every uh, every version or every accelerator will, you know, keep on making it even better. 
and and let's not forget about that, right? The P4 is also there for the benefit of the student and for the experience uh, of the student as they develop their consulting skills, right? So we are very thankful to Lauren and her willingness to be part of this. Lauren has been in contact with the Social Innovation Initiative for a long time, and she has been a supportive of the initiative and a participant, Mark Fitz has been a participant in many of the social innovation challenges and that we had help before and all that. So she has always supported this space because she's interested in this space and she wants to really to to materialize, you know, many of the uh, aspects that, that she wants her her business to become. Uh, so we're very thankful for uh, to her for that. Uh, but But this is also, you know, she gave us not only the opportunity to pilot this idea, but also the opportunity for our students to experience these hands-on, and that to me is uh, one aspect that we should not forget about the P4 experience. So I noticed in the in some of the documentation that attached to P4 that that you you all were very clear that students don't have there are no prerequisites for student for graduate. I obviously, you want graduate students who have a little more experience, a little more training, right? But they don't have any specific prerequisites. So what what is it? T- who are you looking for? I would say we're looking for people with passion, um, you know, that have that activism sort of spirit, you know, that we were talking about earlier. Um, Of course, you know, um, a willingness to learn new things and to go in, as Meredith was saying, blind, you know, um, willing to learn about the process, uh, why it's important, how to help clients navigate these waters. Um, you know, critical thinking, but I think you could say for most grad students, that's sort uh, of a prerequisite there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I would say probably a willingness to, you know, crunch some numbers and process data. And uh, But even for um, those folks that may not be as strong uh, in those analytical skills or mathematical skills, I should say, um, you know, I still think, again, there's an opportunity to learn there. I mean, we're not we're not doing any breakthrough research and differential equations and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, um, it, it's definitely manageable. Um, uh, it's something I think any grad student can undertake. And I think, uh, you know, the skills that Mark just kind of uh, shared are absolutely the, that's the ground floor. You've got to have that. And then just to add to that, what we hope is that we'll also get a really diverse mix of graduate students, because as in any successful organization, you know, you need your business mindset, you need your, um, you know, you need your uh, biological engineers that are able to talk about uh life cycle assessment that can that can help a lot so um, you know dependent on the skill set of the consultants that we have it kind of depends on how deep we could go into the more science you know driven aspects of the environmental section but we had such a diverse group of uh, majors in our pilot and that was just that was really fun and I think it was fun for the students too they don't always get to meet students in other graduate programs it, it was, yeah. Gradu- graduate student life can be isolating at times, so it's it definitely can. good to spread yes. your wings in, in different areas as well, yeah. So there's an important social benefit for yeah, those participants. For sure. yes. Of course, of course. You know, I feel like, you know, uh, yeah, we have a little community, you know. It's good. So do you foresee, as, as you grow into this, developing a more programmatic training regimen for these, for these participants? Yeah, we're actually working on it right now. Um, uh, the students that have replaced my role um, since I've moved into a more advisory capacity um, are working on training material right now, and we're kind of guiding them through that process as well, not only for student recruitment, um, but also catching them up to speed um, so they can learn you know, in a month or two months' time 
what we, you know, took three months to learn well. And this kind of goes back to your question about, you know, is any experience required? And, you know, the answer was no. And so um, that's really important that it is actually a big learning opportunity for the student, which is why this is so win-win, because the business is, you know, getting the opportunity of, of, you know, being walked through the B impact assessment. Um, But it's also important to us as an institution of higher education that it's also a great learning experience and the students are learning um, a lot as they as they go into it. Well, we've talked in other episodes of this podcast about solutions that are scalable, that you can scale up. Is this one of those solutions? Is this initiative a scalable solution? And, And how do you see that happening? I, yeah, I definitely think it's a scalable solution. I mean, you know, we recruited, what, five, six students to, to start. Um, you know, we were able to work with one client. Uh, and as we improve training materials and um, are able to recruit, um, you know, more graduate students that are, you know, passionate about these sorts of ideals, um, you know, that expands our ability to work with more businesses um, in Arkansas, multiple clients at a time, um, work with other schools, as well, other universities in the state to help them establish their own sort of P4 equivalent, you know, um, um, project. And I think the other aspect, those are all really important aspects of making it scalable. The other aspect is um, this iteration, we're bringing in the idea of community mentors for the first time. So each team will be able to work with a professional that's also passionate about sustainability. And, you know, some of our alumni that um, work in sustainability, you know, are just really passionate about coming back to the university and supporting our students. So we have some people really excited to get engaged. And so we're basically building a community of practice um, in the in the region. And so that's going to make it highly scalable as well, because then they're taking it back into their own businesses. And, you know, it, it, Mark mentioned Colorado earlier. Boulder has the most, you know, B cores per square foot of any city in, in the nation. And they have these really active, what are called be locals, which is just, you know, social chapters of, of social business uh, leaders. And we don't have that here, but, but we will have that here. And that's going to really scale the movement as well. Uh, I would also say it's, it's just, uh, you know, scalable in the sense of how many clients we could work with and the impact we could make on the students as well. I don't mean scalable in the sense of, well, then we can just go work for bigger and bigger businesses because, you know, quite frankly, this is a volunteerism sort of thing. It's free for the client to participate. You know, they get the caveat there where they're working with graduate students that, you know, might have just been trained on this. Um, But, uh, you know, that opens up the door for small businesses that may not have the uh, financial capabilities um, in a startup environment or, you know, an environment where they're, you know, just starting uh, to, to hire out a consultant um, professionally, like the one that we had um, helped train us um, to accomplish this. Whereas, you know, you have a business like Walmart or, you know, really large business, uh, Tyson, they could go contract this work to professionals. I, I just have to add one thing because I work in economic development, so I always think from this frame of lens of, you know, what's the university's impact on the state. And so, you know, every single student who goes through a project like P4 or something else that's focused on sustainability and social impact, like um, the social challenge, for example, um, that is a student that's going to go work, you know, whether for a nonprofit or a business, wherever they go and work, they're going to they're going to have a bigger impact. Um, and that oftentimes will be for a larger business as well. So the impact on the workforce as a university is, is really important. Well, I was thinking about the benefit to the 
to the community as well, and not not just Northwest Arkansas potentially, but other communities in the state. If you are saying to small business, to, to small entrepreneurs, that if you want to start a business and and sustainability and responsibility matter to you and you want those to be part of your business model, there are resources in our community that can help you realize that in in your own business. What does that do for business creation in Fayetteville or in Northwest Arkansas? Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to talk about that because I, when you asked that question, I realized we hadn't really talked too much about the community implications of this. Um, but I think there's several. Um, one is that one of our clients this semester is actually a pre-revenue startup, um, meaning that she actually can't even register as a certified B Corps because you have to have been in business for a certain time but um, to get the label. But the reason we want to do it is because it's kind of this idea of helping a business even before they've written their business plan to think about what does a social business look like. And so I think that really will uh, will um, influence the trajectory of businesses in our community. But then also the other thing your question made me think about on the community impact side was just how much potential there is, you know, to connect the dots in the region. So, for example, um, the B Impact Assessment has something called an impact model, and impact models are basically um, a business that through their actual business model are making transformational change. So just an example of that would be um, a business that through their hiring practices prioritizes hiring um, you know, women that have formerly been incarcerated, for example. That's, that's an impact business model. And so part of what the BIA does is you know, provide examples of businesses that have done um, you know, programs that do make a really strong um, impact. You know, for example, uh, offering, you know, if, if, if your large number of your employees, um, you know, are, are lower income employees and you know that they, you know, can't access certain financial resources, um, there are a number of financial packages that the employer could offer, um, you know, for example, um, a, a loan that's, you know, through a partner like Southern Bank Corp. Um, you know, so there's there's all of these things that the business can do to connect with existing community resources, existing nonprofits um, that make them a better business. And so I think that's why it has such a huge community impact. Just to supplement that also, um, you know, just a couple of examples, the, uh, you know, the, the B Impact Assessment addresses, for example, um, a livable wage. So, you know, of course, we have minimum wage, but that's not always enough to, you know, account for, you know, kids, uh, a full household, if you will. Um, sometimes not even enough for yourself. Um, so, you know, being able to take that extra step, you know, and if you are a business pursuing this and you are able to pay a livable wage, then that improves economic security for employees that are local to the area. Um, another example would be in the community section, it goes into, the assessment goes into um, whether or not you contribute to nonprofits, do you encourage your employees to volunteer their time? So not only is this benefiting the business, right, going through the assessment and achieving certification or even aiming for certification, um, but it also encourages participation in the nonprofit sector that's already very well established here in Northwest Arkansas. You can do a lot of good in your community. You're probably not going to ever <laughs> do as much good as you think you're going to do, but you're going to keep keep constantly getting better. There may be 200 metrics, but if you can find 80 of those metrics that you're making a difference, then you're you're on the right track, right? So there's a there's an honesty there, right? And there's a there's a, a, a sort of middle ground that makes these things uh, achievable and doable, and then that way desirable, right? That's my reflection. You can't succeed 
if you don't try. I also just think that it's very inclusive. I really I love the model of business as being a driver for these markers in our society, for sustainability, for people, for caring, that businesses can actually be the driving force. Uh, that is powerful uh, because, as you said, I think in the very beginning, what the, the potential that business has is really kind of, um, I don't know, infinite. I think the process is humbling and somehow emancipates us from the overwhelming, often uh, unreachable way that we believe we have to come up with the solution or the innovation to solve this massive problem, right? And the process emancipates us, liberates us from that, right? Like, in a way, like, mm -hmm. it's like, no, wait, relax. You, this Let's this is doable. Get, we're yeah. going to get one point, yeah. then we're going to get another one, yeah. and then we're going to work on the third one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. And in that sense, it's very liberating. Um, and it's humbling as well because, you know, we tend to believe that we need to come up with all these solutions and we need to be everything for everybody. And no, no, let's play our role. It's a community effort. It's so funny you say that because uh, just last night, when I have trouble falling asleep, my, my mind tends to to ramble and you know sometimes I'll find myself thinking well what what can I do you know I feel like you almost have to like invent something what business idea is gonna what do people need but they can also you know change the world and to your point Rogelio that's you know and I find myself fall, falling asleep you know man I'm, I can't do it you know and you, you get down on yourself and uh, but that's not necessarily what you need you just gotta try at something and you know Luckily for me, you know, it's been this, but hopefully can, this can be, um, you know, available to other students as well so they can find a purpose to help address that, you know. Well, I could talk about this idea of changing mindsets quite a lot because I'm, all, I'm actually doing my doctorate on the side and my dissertation is on institutional logics, which is basically these ideas that most of these, you know, um, ideas that the private sector only makes profit and the you know, the public sector only does good. Those are, you know, just those are socialized norms and, and values and practices. And, and so, you know, we actually have the ability to change those norms over time. And so I think the social business movement is doing that. And that's kind of the academic, the academic side of it is just kind of how these actually mindsets are changing over time. And, and um, it isn't just a dichotomy like you, you all were saying. So I have a practical question. If a business owner or an entrepreneur is, is hearing this discussion and says, gosh, I really want to get in on this, how, what do they do? Who do they, whom do they talk to? Uh, well, my actually full-time role for the university is actually corporate outreach. So I'm always I'm always the first to say, I'll talk to the business. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm often not in the community anyways. Um, right now, the advisors, so um, it's Mark, Rogelio, myself, and then um, our fourth advisor is Lindsay Steiger-Muck, who is um, a corporate outreach manager at the Business College. Um, you know, we, we all take an active role in, in talking with the clients and, and through our, you know, public-facing community engagement, um, you know, roles. Uh, I don't know. I guess they just need to contact, contact us. <laughs> and what about the graduate students? 
that are interested. Like let's, I was a lonely English major graduate student. I understand the loneliness comment. So where can graduate students find out more? We'll oh. let Mark take this, but I would also just say check their emails in the coming weeks because we're trying to recruit hard right now. Oh, yeah. A lot of email listservs. <laughs> yeah, we, we are. Um, but they can reach out to me, um, the current uh, consultant lead, the student consultant lead since I've moved on to this advisory role is uh, Clay Schuler, but also uh, Ralph Bray. Um, they share those responsibilities. Um, so reaching out to either of them as well would, would uh, be great. Great. Well, no, I, I was just thinking on, um, because I I remember one of the questions uh, on the global uh, impact of this, and I went through the route of, you know, naming the, you know, mentioning the number of countries that have the B Corp certification, but there's also another important aspect here. This is, uh, P4 is a collaboration between uh, the Impact Chapter of the University and the Arkansas Global Changemakers, and for us has always been important, you know, as we bring these experiences to students to also um, create the setting where students are able to talk and hear from experts, entrepreneurs, um, innovators in the field that have gone through this process in other parts of the world uh, and experienced, for instance, the V-certification or other aspects related to the social innovation or social enterprise uh, path uh, with their own circumstances and experiences. So for us, it's also a, a, a component of, of, of this uh, that is relevant uh, as we want our uh, consulting experience to also have this global connection and context and cultural uh, accountability. Yes. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I appreciate it so much. And I think the impacts that we've talked about, global community impacts, so many impacts. I, I, I can't see an end to them, honestly, when I start to think about it. So thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having us. I could stay and talk about this for many more hours. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah.